This is District Sentinel Radio, the newscast of record for the left. I am Sam Sachs. I am Sam Knight. We are broadcasting out of Terry's to use knife and sword emporium here in Pistown, Washington, D.C. Check out the website, districtsentinel.com. It is good to be back. Apologies for the longer than expected hiatus. I think the last time we did a show was a week ago, last Wednesday. We had to, uh, we missed Thursday's show last week because we were, we were preparing for the Street Fight Variety Show in Columbus, Ohio. I hope everybody was able to tune in. Uh, we tweeted out a couple links. Those links are still up if you want to watch the show. It was a lot of fun. Special thanks to the uh, Street Fight guys. Also, we saw Jake Flores, who was funny as hell. Yeah. I had never seen Jake do stand-up before, and uh, he cracked me up. Really good set. Really good set. Go see uh, Jake uh, when you get if you ever get a chance to do it. Ruby Tuesday also not a bad venue there in Columbus, Ohio. They have a decent pizza, happy hour pizza deal, and a basketball hoop where I nailed. You've been talking about this 18, for days now. Eighteen shots from the field. Eighteen in, in the span of like what? A minute? Thirty seconds, I think, or a minute. Probably a minute. I think their <laughs> standard is a minute. I don't think you nailed eighteen in thirty seconds. Either way, but. either way, I was I was getting good backspin. You know, it wasn't the Bernie Grandpa shot off the uh, off the backboard. I was I was getting the bounce off the rim. You know, it was dope. <laughs> That's the way to do it on those games. You got to get the right spot and just bank bank them in every time. Bank it in. Bank it in. But that's not what I was doing. I was doing it. I was I was shooting <laughs> smooth. I was silky smooth. Nothing but net. Steph Curry over here. <laughs> uh, good to see uh, some folks who came out. Got to see Marv. Marvin was out there. Hung out with Marvin. Uh, hung out with Francis Fukuyama. <laughs> <laughs> Always nice Twitter to friend. see Francis. Yes. He's uh, come out to two of our Columbus's show now. So uh, thanks for coming out to the show. Good hanging out. And uh, anyone else uh, who I, I might have forgotten, it was uh, good to see you all out there. Thanks for coming out. And then Nick Hayes from Means TV was there in Columbus, and he was like, hey, let's do some projects in D.C. I'm just going to hitch a ride back with you all to Piss Town from Columbus. So he jumped in the van, and we've been working with Nick Hayes over the last several days, filming stuff on a special project that uh, is coming out next month sometime. There'll be a more official announcement of it, I suppose, in the next few weeks, but exciting stuff coming out next month. Starting uh, next month. Steve. Yeah, starting starting next month. That's you're right. Already, it's, it's, you're already dropping clues. I, I am dropping a clue. I am a sucker uh, for verbal agreement, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I don't I don't I'm bad at grammar uh, <laughs> terms or whatever. But anyway, the point is it's starting next month. Yeah. The point and, is we haven't been doing a podcast the last few days. We apologize, but we have been working on an exciting project that we hope you all will like when it comes out and then sustains itself <laughs> next month. But we're back now. Let's do this. It's Wednesday, January 29th, 2020. Here's the news. Day eight of the impeachment trial in the Senate, both the Democratic House managers and the president's defense team have finished their opening arguments. And today begins the part of the trial during which senators can ask questions of the two sides. The questions are submitted to the Chief Justice, John Roberts, who is presiding over the trial. John Roberts is the one who then reads the questions to the House managers or to Trump's defense team. 
This is what's happening right now in the Senate as we record this show. Now, if it were up to Mitch McConnell, this whole thing would be wrapped up by this weekend after a vote to call witnesses and subpoena documents is defeated on Friday. However, due to events happening outside the Senate chamber, the certainty of that defeat of a vote to call witnesses is now in doubt. McConnell announced that he doesn't have the votes to defeat motions to bring forth witnesses. And if there are going to be witnesses, one of them is likely to be former right-wing lunatic. Hold on. Still current right-wing lunatic, (laughs) but former Trump aide John Bolton. Bolton was serving in the White House during the time the impeachment trial is focused, when the administration was trying to use aid to Ukraine, which was bad policy in and of itself, but was still trying to use that aid as leverage in order to get Kiev to open an investigation into Joe Biden. John Bolton is now writing a book about all this, what he saw during his time in the White House. So far, there have been some relevant revelations from that book, such as Bolton alleging that the president explicitly told him that the aid was being withheld in order to get investigations into the Bidens. Bolden claiming also that he went to the attorney general with concerns that President Trump was doing personal favors for autocratic leaders. And then a news story today from Democratic Congressman Elliot Engel, who says that Bolton contacted him last September, urging the House Foreign Affairs Committee to look into the firing of Ambassador Marie Yovanovitch, a central figure in the impeachment investigation and someone that was the focus of the scheme run by Trump attorney Rudy Giuliani and now indicted partner Lev Parnas. Parnas, by the way, was on the Hill today. He was invited to the impeachment hearing but couldn't get into the Senate gallery because he has to wear an ankle monitor and no electronics are allowed inside. Parnas, though, there to tell reporters that he wants to testify under oath implying that he has a lot more information that can bring down the administration. Ultimately, it's both hard and easy to figure out what Bolton is up to here. It's easy because he's trying to sell a book. He knows whatever information he has can make him very rich, and that being in the center of the impeachment spectacle only makes it more lucrative for him. He's doing it for retweets is what you're saying. Yes. He's clout chasing. It's hard, though, because he is suffering consequences, as any clout chasing uh, tends to (laughs) create. Bolton has long been a darling of the neocon movement. Hell, he's a living embodiment of it, and all his friends in the movement are mad at him now. Also, if indeed he's planning to divulge damaging information about the president, and he's already divulged damaging information, in fact... He's doing harm to a presidency that has drawn the U.S. closer to Bolton's ultimate foreign policy goal, a war with Iran. It's one reason why folks like myself still can't trust him if he's called as a witness. But it can't be denied that Bolton has already done some harm to the president's legal case and may have derailed Mitch McConnell's plans for a witness-free, speedy trial. That's not to say that the conclusion is any less in doubt here, as it's still very, very likely that this ends with all Republicans and hell, even some Democrats like Joe Manchin voting to acquit the president. Today, President Trump signed into law a major trade bill authorizing the rewrite of NAFTA. We talked about it two weeks ago when it came through the Senate. 
Bernie Sanders voted against the legislation, citing criticism from major labor unions and environmental groups. But most Democrats supported the bill, handing the president a major election year victory, enabling him to fulfill his campaign promise to revise NAFTA. Dems like Elizabeth Warren and Nancy Pelosi backed the NAFTA rewrite, citing support from the AFL-CIO, the largest labor federation in the country, albeit one that hasn't always been on the right side of history. In related news, Democrats appear eager again today to give Republicans a major victory, despite the fact that impeachment is dominating pretty much every headline there is. Here was Speaker Pelosi unveiling a $760 billion infrastructure bill. We're going to build the infrastructure of America. We're going to build bigger paychecks by building the infrastructure of America. And that's what we're here to do. The president said throughout the campaign that's something that he wanted to do. So we hope to be joining with him in a unifying way. There's a tired joke in Washington that when a politician doesn't want to talk about the latest controversy, they make it infrastructure week. Nancy Pelosi wants to give Donald Trump an infrastructure week in an election year in a week when his impeachment trial is entering a dramatic new phase, which is just amazing. Pelosi was then asked about when the bill would move. She said, quote, when we're ready and urged Mitch McConnell and Senate Republicans to be receptive. Now, there are plenty of reasons why McConnell won't be. House Transportation Committee Chair Pete DeFazio told Roll Call, quote, We're looking at every sector under my jurisdiction and attempting to meet the goals of the Green New Deal. That said, House Republicans are urging Democrats to focus on things like highway financing. And who says Democrats won't jettison anything that seems transformative or approaching transformative for incremental improvements like highway improvements that give Republicans an election year victory? Listen to House Ways and Means Committee Chair Richard Neal bragging about helping the president spike the football on rewriting NAFTA. The only reason that the president is having this signing today is because of what we did as House Democrats. Yeah, we know, dude. Thanks, you... for, thanks for giving the president an alley-oop pass for something that most of your constituent organizations aren't very happy about. You fucking Mark. <laughs> Absolute fucking Mark. Uh, speaking of which... Uh, Neil and no House Democrats were invited to the White House today for the signing ceremony, and they were not happy about that. Richard Neal and, uh, well, a number of them talked to the Hill. Uh, Richard Neal told the publication, quote, our presence would be a prominent reminder of our critical leadership in achieving this deal. Weird how our sopping fascist president didn't give you credit for helping him get reelected. Mm. Who, who could have seen this coming? Defense contractor and plane manufacturer Boeing reported annual losses for the first time in over 20 years on Wednesday. The company told investors that it lost $636 million last year, the first time it's ever lost money since 1997. Revenue is down considerably from 2018, in fact, more than 24%. And in just the fourth quarter, the company reported revenue down 37% from the final quarter of 2018. Our, our killing passenger to revenue ratio is just not, it's not, it's not optimized out, right now. Last month, Dennis Mullenberg resigned as Boeing CEO, though he should have been jailed. The company's stock over the last three months has declined about 9%, while the overall market average and other plane manufacturers like Airbus have seen gains. Not to belabor the point, but as you noted, 
uh, when we almost went to full-scale war with Iran, every yeah. defense contractor was up except, except for Boeing, Boeing on the stock market. <laughs> yeah, and really, this is the only semblance of consequence so far for a company that had to ground a fleet of jets, the 737 MAX, following two crashes that killed 346 people. Since been revealed that the company was aware of problems with the jets, but required airliners to buy safety upgrades, which many <laughs> did not, and it led to the crashes. Mm, only our premium customers don't <laughs> die in a fire. The company said in its earnings report that it expects the total costs of grounding the 737 MAX fleet to approach $18 billion, adding more drag to the company's earnings. But as of recording, the company's stock was up about 1%. In the U.S. economy, you can't keep war profiteers like Boeing down for long. Sometimes there are stories about uh, bad financial reports and the stock will go up because uh, you know, the huge institutional investors with tons of money to throw around were like, well, it wasn't as bad as yeah. we thought it would be. Yeah. <laughs> they killed 346 people and only lost 600 million? Okay. <laughs> 346. I mean, they could have killed 673 people. We, we should be rewarding them for not doing that. Finally, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo gave availability to the press today on a plane while on the first leg of a trip that includes a stop in London. The United Kingdom is set to officially leave the European Union on Friday. Not much will immediately change, as the Financial Times noted earlier this week. The final details of Brexit are expected to be discussed throughout the year. Pompeo wasn't asked by members of the press about Brexit. He was, however, asked about a member of the press not on the plane. She was denied credentials because of an incident that happened a few days ago. Secretary Pompeo blew up at NPR's Mary Louise Kelly for asking a question about Ukraine in the context of President Trump's impeachment trial. Pompeo reportedly berated the reporter with the tape recorder off, demanding she point out Ukraine on a map without markings. When staffers brought the map, Pompeo claimed that Kelly pointed to Bangladesh, which honestly doesn't sound like, it, you know, if you're trying to make her look bad, make it seem like she picked the country that's close to Ukraine, but not Ukraine, but not one that's comically far away, like Bangladesh on the other side of the world. Anyway, today Pompeo gave a lengthy answer about his personal beef with NPR foreign policy reporting, and he referred to himself in the third person. He wrapped up his answer by saying of Mary Louise Kelly, quote, I hope she finds peace. Pompeo was also asked about the spread of the coronavirus, the new respiratory disease that originated in Wuhan in China's Hubei province. State has already evacuated consular staff from the city. Pompeo said the agency is monitoring the situation and considering how to respond, quote, that includes travel advisories that could encompass a wide range of things, including banning travel, end of quote. I hope Peng's eye's okay. Yeah, I uh, I looked up where uh, Hebei province was uh, in relation to Wuhan, and it's a 10-hour drive away. Oh, I thought he, he, oh, he doesn't live in the Hubei province? Hebei province. Oh, he's in the Hebei province. Hebei province. I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry to any uh Mandarin speakers out there. I am butchering. I these apologize names. as well. Uh, I have never even been good at uh, trying. Uh, it's, it's. I'm bad at a I'm, lot of I'm U.S. cities. So that's right. 
Let's just all right. Let's just leave it there since the <laughs> haiku right. music is playing. Let's transition smoothly into reading some poetry for all our new subscribers on Patreon. Patreon.com/slash District Sentinel. Five bucks a month, you get access to all the bonus content and get your own haiku written for you, read on the air. Apologies for getting to these haiku late, but better late than never, I suppose. This is for Matt. Driving Ohio, White Castle at 2 a.m., free Starbucks bathroom. Thank you, Matt. New genre of autobiographical haiku (laughs) from SK1. And from me, too. Here we go. This one is for Nathan. Turning to crystals to boost my gambling wins, that and burning sage. Thank you, Nathan. Finally, this is for Kevin. Matrix Morpheus calls me on the phone to say, take the pee-pee pill. (laughs) Thank you, Kevin. And thanks to all the new subscribers on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash District Sentinel. We've got haiku coming up for Christian, Duncan, and Lido on tomorrow's newscast. All right, before we go, time to check out the listener rant line. Sam, Sam. Cute doggo. This is the uh, president of the New York Times. I have a predicted market tip for y'all good boys to cash in on. You may know we have this editorial board endorsement coming up soon. Uh, but here's the deal. On the predicted markets, in the event of a tie, the market will pay out to whoever is numerically or alphabetically first. So we're going to endorse Amy and Elizabeth. That everything you have on Amy... We all are. Have fun with the street fight, folks. Looking forward to it. Hope this message reaches you in time to make some money. <laughs> Damn it. Damn, we missed out on that hot tip. Oh well. It's uh we'll just we'll just have to hope that the sage and the uh, candles and the and the and the prayer beads yeah. work for uh, and, and the crystals work for other things. Thank you, President of the New York Times, for the phone call. <laughs> Anyone else out there who wants to leave a message? 202-684-6108. Call it up. Leave a message. We'll play it on air. That is the show for today. We will be back tomorrow. We're here in D.C., so you don't have to be.